<laughs> Start over. Five. I could give you that answer again. Three. It was a beautiful you guys need cue cards back there. Doesn't everybody know Jeremiah Jude from up? just take it from the top and just say, hey, you can cut that in, right? You suck. All right. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll just start. That's an throw. It's a lot of post-production. Hot butcher, take two. And welcome back. We're here, continue on here at the Great Taste of the Midwest. And we're here with Hot Butcher for the World. And what's our names? What are your names? <laughs> oh, fuck. My name is Jude. Oh, it's good. It's good. This is Jeremiah. Jude LaRose and Jeremiah Zimmer with Hot Butcher for the World. I want outtakes at the end of this, yeah. please. Take three. We're amongst friends. Great Taste of the Midwest. Where's my damn cue card? Cheers. You've stumbled on into the Tap Takeover Podcast. Welcome back to the Tap Takeover Podcast, continuing our festival coverage series. This is the big one. This is the great taste of the Midwest. This is the granddaddy of them all, the biggest, best festival in all of Wisconsin and all of the Midwest. We covered it for you last year. We had a blast. Second year has been even more fun, and this time even 100% more Jesus. Jesus, this was your very first time covering the Great Taste of the Midwest, even your first time going to the Great Taste of the Midwest. I'm very interested to hear what were your first impressions of this festival? Honestly, it was just overwhelming. So much stuff. But what was really neat is the the setting. So what did they say, like 6,000 people were there or something like that? Something like that. 6K, yeah. Yeah, yeah. At, at the jewel of the, uh, the Madison Park system, Olin Park. Yeah, so... It was overwhelming, uh, the amount of beer there, the different types uh, of beer that were available. But what was really neat is that it was kind of all segmented, so it felt very cozy. So you kind of moved in these different areas. I just thought it was uh, it was overwhelming at first, but as I was kind of moving around the tents, it's, it just was really, it was a really neat experience. How about that first time having Fred Swanson welcome you home? or welcome you to the festival for the very first time. I don't know, for us, for for the old hats who have been there a number of years, it's still special. For a, for a first-timer, what was that like? No, it was cool. Uh, Fred's, a, Fred's a really neat guy. He really makes you feel like you are coming home. I'm like, when I saw, you know, I was kind of had that jitters of the first time. But when I saw him, I'm like, all right, this is going to be all right. I'm going to be okay. So you were... Uh, Turns so out it was not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Uh, so you were there with me for the for the promotional episode. Uh, we do that every year. We sit down and talk about you know what to expect this year, what what to remember from previous years. They talked about some of the things, some of the do's and don'ts for newbies. Did any of those rules apply? What uh, what was some of the good advice that might have come through for you? Well, the best advice was uh, stay hydrated. I mean, I honestly, <laughs> I was drinking so much water. Prehydration. Prehydration. Yes, <laughs> and I and I did that. I did not want to get overwhelmed put it that way but yeah they had everything set up it was i just can't believe how they had their shit together it was amazing it was really cool jim and andy you you guys are old hats at this i think andy you've probably been there more times than all of us but uh what what did you guys experience what was new from this year as opposed to previous years what stood out to you guys you know for me i gotta agree with jesus it is a touch overwhelming Uh, there's almost 200 breweries at this fest and they're all bringing their best beers that they have. Uh, so you have 200 breweries, almost, what, uh, 800 beers 
it, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. You have to have a plan going in. Uh, but, you know, really for me, this is my first Great Taste Eve that I got to experience. Oh, that's true. And <laughs> that was amazing. I mean, Great Taste itself is a fantastic experience. Great Taste Eve is also another fantastic experience. I mean, for me, it's, like Jim said, 200-plus breweries. But the way it's set up, it just seems, like, quaint. You know, it seems like a smaller festival than it actually is because it's broken up and segmented. But I would disagree with Jim's game plan type of thing. What I take away from talking with Fred and Jason is they take themselves so not seriously that it's it's just buy the ticket, take the ride type of situation for me. Um, you just go with the flow and whatever happens is going to happen. What, wherever you're at for a time tapping, yeah, you're there for that. But try everything else and definitely hit up the rookies. I, I actually agree with that because that's what I did. I was just walking around, and there was if there was no line, I would just go up, talk to the guys, try the beer, and that's that was my strategy. I guess if there is a strategy of just going to some place where I can easy access, there's there's so much there's, there is no need to wait in line. No, a- absolutely. I mean, we talked to some friends of the show, but we also went out of our way to talk to some people that we will never get to, right? Because they are a small brewery, they distribute just out of their tap room but you're not traveling to uh, the middle of nebraska for one of the interviews that did jim did um but you know what? they're making great <laughs> drunk, drunk jim did, drunk jim drunk did. Jim. uh but they're making great hazy ipas out there so it's an unbelievable experience because you get to meet new friends i think that's the great thing about it yeah i would i would agree with uh with the assessment that andy made that uh maybe not having a plan is sometimes the best plan because you mm-hmm. you know like last year we walked into chemtrail mix at three floyds just happened to be there you know a lot of people walk in and they have a very specific list you know i need to hit this beer at this time i need to hit this beer at this time and that is fun that is a fun way to hit it but i i kind of agree with the way that fred and uh, jason assessed it you know if all you do all day is hit the real ale tent you've had a good day if all you do all day is hit all the rookies you've had a good day if all you do all day is hit all of the the munich style lagers or the munich style hellas you've had a good day there's no wrong way to to approach this festival no absolutely i mean there's more cast condition eels here than there are at Firkenfest, a whole fest dedicated to that style of beer right i mean it's that's how mind-blowing this fest is. So we had a fantastic time again covering this. Uh, we're going to come back about halfway through the episode and kind of lead you through uh, some of the other breweries. But uh, some of the highlights in, in this first part, and this first part, uh, we'll let you know, was before. It's during the, the VIP hour. I'm putting that in quotes. It's the VIP hour where you can kind of get in if you're a brewer and kind of meet some old friends, you know, meet up with, with you know, some of, the, some of the brewery reps that you know. Uh, some of the the organizers that you've been coming and seeing for years and years it's it's a chance for old friends to meet to welcome each other back and this was also a perfect opportunity for us to to cover this event and you know get some some unadulterated content you know some some content that we wouldn't otherwise be able to get you're definitely going to notice a difference between the first half of this podcast and the second because the second is going to be a lot busier and it was a lot tougher to get interviews but also i think there's a charm to uh, to having that many people milling about you while you're doing these fun interviews you know sometimes you hear like tap taker podcast <laughs> that kind of stuff so let's listen to uh, the first batch of interviews here and we're going to conclude the first batch with 
an interview with Jason, the head organizer of this event, and it was literally right after everybody's been lit into the fest. If you've seen our video uh, footage from last year, you know that this is a this is a goosebumps kind of moment. Last year when you hear the, uh, the air horns going off, this year when you hear the band playing and everybody's counting it down, it was a high point of the event. And talking to Jason right after that, I think was a really fun thing. So let's get into uh, the first batch of interviews and we'll be right back at about the halfway point. Alex here for the Tap Taker Podcast at the Great Taste of the Midwest, and I'm standing here with... Shane Hudson, Old Nation Brewing Company. So you guys are rookies this year. You don't have a lot of experience with the fest and pouring, but what can you tell me about your experience at Great Taste of the Midwest? We talk about the beer, we talk about the liquid all the time, but what makes Great Taste great for you? Uh, I think from the start, uh, as soon as we pulled up last night, uh, there was a huge group of volunteers unloaded our van quicker than I've ever seen happen and we were in and out of the park I think in 10 minutes all of our gear went straight to our table we were able to walk in today and it was there every single person I've seen says welcome home it's a big Mm. smile on their face I've been to a lot of festivals around the country and this one really uh, this one stands out so far Tell us uh, what what you're gonna be pouring today what uh, what kind of fun libations did you bring with you so for most people were known uh, for our M43. And that is, I guess, as flagship as we can get. It's the beer that we're known for. Um, we started the brewery in 2015, did not brew this beer till end of 2016. Uh, beginning of 2017 is when it started distribution. And uh, since then, we've been uh, brewing our butts off and uh, <laughs> still having a little trouble keeping up here and there. But uh, we've got. 12 states open now, hoping to be 15 at the end of the year, hoping to see what else we can do with the M43 that way. Um, last year we did see like the West Coast start bringing out these brute IPAs, and uh, Travis Fritz, our owner, he said, these guys are doing, he's like, I see these guys doing these brute IPAs. I'm wondering if that's the, you know, an answer to the New England IPA, and he's like, for funsies, let's see how uh, M43 recipe would taste as a brute. And so we did it, and that's where brute or the it's coming out of our uh, woodshed series right now. It's in our woodshed series as the brute. It's done very well there. It's getting its own label now, B43. The coloring will be like an inverse coloring of the M43 label. The B43 has three grams of carbs, 197 calories uh, per pint. And uh, still 7.1%. Oh, wow. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm really, really digging that beer all summer. All right, so you said you guys are in 12 states currently, right? Yep. And you're going up to 15. Yep. Uh, so please tell us uh, Wisconsin is on the next three. So that's uh, a little above my pay grade. Oh. <laughs> uh, I. You could just say it. Maybe it'll happen. I mean, it would make sense. <laughs> it's, a bordering, it's a bordering state. So, you know, it would make sense that we're there. Um, but like I said, I said that's not really. Uh, yeah. I don't, they kind of just tell me when they post it on Facebook. So we'd love to come out and uh, do a full interview with you guys, but uh, give us a little sneak peek. What uh, what can our listeners expect uh, coming out to Old Nation for the first time? Uh, so we're in Williamston, Michigan. It's about 15 minutes east of Lansing. It's a little farm town. I can't tell you the population there, uh, but it's very small, uh, small community. The brewery is in what used to be the Williamson Police Department. 
again, we started pretty small, and now we've kind of maxed it out with all the tanks and everything we can fit in there. Uh, Brew Pub actually has amazing food. Um, the service is awesome. Everyone that works in the Brew Pub is amazing. They're a little family there, and uh, I tell people all the time, the food's better than the beers, <laughs> you know? And I think that's a big thing uh, for a brewery to be able to do both well. Well, can't wait to uh, come out now and try some Boss Tweed with you. Absolutely. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Here at the Great Taste Midwest 2019, and we are with... Hi, I'm Ethan. Uh, I'm with Hop and Barrel Brewing, uh, one of the brewers. We've been around for almost two years now. Yeah. And you're a rookie? Yeah, this is our first year here. Been, I mean, trying to get in last year, too, but it was our first year. Kind of came in late, and then got in this year so well, very of course, happy of course you've heard of everything great taste but what yeah. makes it great for you seeing everybody here literally we're next to hop and frog and that was like the first christmas beer i think i've ever had in my life and so just like seeing people that have kind of inspired us to do what we do and get to mingle with them which is all pretty right. cool all right so what did uh, what did you bring uh, this year as your first outing uh we brought space force which is our double ipa uh double dry hopped as well uh, super approachable, super easy drinking. It's not hazy, um, but very easy, a lot of orange flavor. Uh, we also brought our lemon shandy, which has kind of taken Wisconsin by storm a bit. And then uh, we also brought our first kettle sour that we've ever done in-house. So uh, we did a collaboration with Badger Hill out of Minnesota and yeah, really enjoyed what we made. So. Okay, excellent. So what are you uh, looking forward to? I know uh, part of the fun is going around to other uh Oh, yeah. here and checking out some stuff any any stick out or um i mean seeing what goose island has to like release today i know surly's kind of got some uh fun things going on i know they got a boat race going <laughs> or something <laughs> but there's a lot of breweries here just want to kind of see what everyone's brought i haven't been able to see like i didn't look too much up online beforehand but just kind of travel around uh hit some people we know hit some new people we don't well, I'm a rookie too, guys. So nice. a little overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, it's so much. All of a sudden, yeah. it's just like shit. There's there's a lot of people here. Excellent. You don't expect such big names, so. So for our listeners uh, who yeah. haven't been out to see you guys yet, uh, tell us a little bit about the brewery. Where are you guys located? Uh, we are located right on Second Street in Hudson, Wisconsin. So it's right off the highway. Is it exit one. Yeah, exit one before <laughs> Minnesota. Uh, if you've hit Minnesota, literally, you've gone too far. Uh, <laughs> So uh, we got a nice little patio area, overlooks the uh, water, um, but nice 15-barrel brew house with 30-barrel fermenters and things like that in the side. So a lot of area, a lot of barrels that we can house in there too. So Excellent. Well, yeah. we really want to go check out the, the spot yeah. and do a full interview. But uh, for today, thanks, man, and uh, Cheers. go have some beer. Yeah, nice meeting you. All right, nice meeting you. We're here at the Great Taste of the Midwest, and today we have a real special guest, Will Glass from The Brewing Project, and also president of the Wisconsin Brewers Guild. So, Will, what makes the Great Taste of the Midwest great to you? Oh, man, the Great Taste of the Midwest, we, we, we don't do a whole lot of beer festivals, but we make damn sure that we come here because it is so big, and you get brewers at a festival instead of like distributors pouring beer for a brewer. So it's a lot more fun to walk around and, and, and have that camaraderie and, and just kind of BS with guys that are doing the same thing you're doing, sweating your butt off, pouring beers for people, <laughs> instead of guys that are just getting paid to be here. So it's a hell of a lot more fun. Obviously the scale is a, is a different thing into itself, but uh, 
it's just a cool festival because it's also not run by you know some weird hockey association it's run <laughs> by home brewers that are putting back into the community and it's uh, it's just a cool thing fantastic and Obviously, you have a lot of duties here uh, as president of the Brewers Guild. Sure. Uh, do you still get to taste some beer? Uh, I do, yeah, yeah. Uh, today's a weird one. I'll be walking around uh, do it, doing, some, uh, doing some guild business to start off with, but uh, I usually get to enjoy myself uh, throughout the day. So, yeah, the, you know, Great Taste Eve also takes a little bit of the wind out of my sails from a, a late <laughs> night last night. But You've also had a very unusual experience starting up your brewery yeah uh you've had a lot of fights uh with uh the capitol building right yeah, over there, that one, over there. <laughs> yeah. you've become very successful though uh making some fantastic beers how has the brewing project grown over the last couple of years uh we've grown tremendously uh you know we started in our little building that was about three thousand square feet we just moved into our new place that's fully operational it's like 10 times bigger and we went from our first year doing like 300 barrels, jumping to 1,200 barrels, and then hit it. And every time it was just a matter of capacity. So it was like, that's just literally how much beer we can make this year. And this year we should hit about 7,500 barrels. And then next year we're getting additional, uh, additional seller space, so we should be able to exceed 10. And what progress have you been able to make uh, improving the state of the laws for uh, craft beer? Sure, so it's a battle, everything about Working in uh, in Wisconsin through the legislative process is a battle because we've got a lot of divergent interests. All we're trying to give back is the stuff that we had before 2011. That's my biggest thing. I wouldn't have had the issues that I had uh, if we would have opened in 2010. And in my opinion, that's just BS. We shouldn't have to go through that. You know, there's so many new brewers here who don't know what it would have been like to be open then. And to me, you know, I always tell my kids don't use the word fair because life isn't fair right but in business and through a regulatory standpoint uh, it's just kind of it, it's not fair like, everybody should have the same opportunity there we go they really should them the antiquated laws really need to be be revised right um, so let, let's just touch on today before we wrap up um, what, what can you say you know for all the love sweat tears hard work that the Madison homebrewers and tasters Guild puts into this event uh, what, what can you say about the volunteers who organize this thing oh the volunteers are great it's it's really cool when you see people from different walks of life we already had some college students that were volunteering this morning at our booth actually as I was coming in one of my attorneys was on his way out from Holland kegs in the morning <laughs> nice. so it's like you, you get kind of the whole spectrum of people who just love beer and want to be involved in this awesome festival so it's awesome I mean you, you couldn't get it done without all the volunteers that are here and and sweating their butts off to get it all done awesome well well thank you very much for your time and uh, we look forward to hoping to hopefully getting out to see you soon and just sitting down for a full interview yeah all absolutely right? we're around all the time All right, Alex here with the Tap Takeover Podcast, here with Grant from Three Sheeps. Grant, uh, we've been asking everybody today, what makes Great Taste great for you? Man, yeah, we love it because, well, mainly the people who put it together. You know, it's one of those festivals where, you know, this crew appreciates beer so much. They they take care of it. They manage it really well. I mean, the fact that we can have a real ale tent where they're setting it up the night before, watching the beers, doing everything you're supposed to do for real at a huge festival like this is, it's just amazing so yeah we love coming out with everything we can possibly bring and uh supporting them so it looks like you guys are going all out for the uh for the theme booth <laughs> yes tell us a little bit about your theme this year uh, so with fresh coast and us being on the what are we 
think it's our favorite lake on the Fresh Coast, uh, we decided to really double down on it. You know, Sheboygan is the freshwater surfing capital of the world, <laughs> nice. if you don't know that. Um, <laughs> and we decided just to embrace it. So we have a cabana set up for people to relax and put their feet up. We have some boat races going on and uh, going all in. I was able to uh, make it out to your anniversary party this year, and I gotta say, you guys really put on a hell of a show. Oh, thank you. Tell us uh, a little bit about the, the planning that goes into that, and what do you look forward to every year with that anniversary? Uh, it's it's a lot of planning. I mean, those days like that, you know, when you know you're gonna get people who just love your product and uh, really just you know want to come out and celebrate with us, with it having being an anniversary party you know, every year is just we're a little bit older, and it's just uh, we wouldn't be there without the customers and people who drink our beer. So it's just a fun day to celebrate and. Um, for that reason, we want to take good care of everyone. So, you know, getting the big tents in, get, you know, bringing in local restaurants, having them set up food trucks and things like that, supporting them as much as we can, and yeah, just having a fun day. Hopefully, making it work. You know, kind of like a wedding. You're crazy until the day of, and you hope you get to enjoy it a little bit yourself that day. Nice. Yeah. I, and I have to give a little bit of an endorsement. Uh, I had an unfortunate incident. A couple of my bottles got broken at the event. I gotta say, your staff was fantastic. Replace the bottles, no questions asked. You guys really, really put on a great event. Oh, thank you. So, tell us about the uh, the, the Fresh Coast uh, line of IPAs that you guys are putting out now. My girlfriend was a huge fan of the Summer Coast, and uh, now you guys got the Galaxy Coast, mm -hmm. Space Coast, Space yes. Coast, yeah. Right. Tell us about uh, tell us about that line. Ah, uh, you know, Fresh Coast. It's such a great palette to work off of. You know, the uh, you get that little bitterness. You already have some juicy characters to it, but it lends itself to fruit, to other hops, to you know, lactose and more sweetness. And uh, we just found it to be a really fun counter opposite to all of our dark barrel aging. We can do the same thing, be experimental, and have a lot of fun with it in a you know lighter beer, lower ABV, so you can just enjoy it a little more frequently and you know not regret it the next day and um, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's just it lets us have fun in a different way. So you've been bringing in a lot of talented brewers from across this nation. Uh, how has that started, having a, this infusion of new talent, uh, evolved the beers that are coming out of Three Sheeps now? It makes it more fun, frankly. You know, they're, you know we all started as home brewers. You know, so you're brewing beer at home, you can do it on a five-gallon scale, you can kind of, you know, Bob's your uncle with ingredients you want to use, things like that. But then being able to refine that and take it to a scale where it's repeatable, and you know, the expectation is that six pack will always take that like that six pack. You know, having great people to work with for that, and just you know more minds to come up with new ideas, new innovations, different ways to process ingredients. It just gives us more options and you know further ways that we can push boundaries. So yeah, it's it's made beer making even more fun. All right, well thank you very much, Grant. I appreciate your time today, and uh, cheers. Oh, you bet. Welcome, guys. Thanks. Have fun today. And welcome back. We continue on here at the Great Taste of the Midwest with friends of the show, Hot Butcher for the World, but rookies to the Great Taste of the Midwest. Who do we have here today? Jude LaRose. Uh, Jeremiah Zimmer. So you guys are rookies, but what does Great Taste of the Midwest mean to you? Uh, Great Taste has been a fest on our radar that you know everybody in and out of the industry says is one of the best, uh, not only in the country, but the world. Uh, so, as home brewers uh, to start, as beer fans and as commercial brewers, uh, great taste is where you want to be. So to be able to be here and pour and kind of walk around and meet all the other brewers uh, for the first time has been kind of a dream come true. Yeah, for the last, I want to say, five years on this weekend, we've seen pictures on brewers' Instagrams and social medias of being at this fest. So we could only kind of see from the outside in. So it's great to uh, be able to experience it firsthand. And what a setting, right? Like you're in the middle of a park next to a lake and it's perfect weather, perfect sunny day. So like, it's just, it's all wrapped in one awesome piece. Yeah, so uh, how has growth uh, been for you guys lately? I don't know. <laughs> it's Steady. good? Steady. Yeah, uh, you know, we, we don't wanna 
get out too far in front of our skis, but we want to push and, and give people more beer where they're asking for more beer. So we're trying to make as much beer as we possibly can, uh, working with existing accounts, trying to get to open some new accounts as these awesome, you know, burger and beer bars open up, these pizza shops that serve awesome, you know, and have an awesome beer list. Awesome and pizza. Awesome pizza as well, not just the <laughs> good beer lists. Uh, yeah. It, but, but yeah, I mean, like pedal to the metal where we can. Know, without getting too crazy. I'm just trying to make good beer and and get it out there and get it in as many people's hands as possible. And if there's an opportunity to get into more people's hands or if there's more of a, de- a demand and there's a, the ability to fulfill that, it's like, all right, so maybe we, 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 we take a look at that and maybe we take steps to fill that demand. Kind of just move from there. And also stay independent. I mean, you guys are beholden to no one at all, right? Um, so... Where is uh, Hot Butcher for the World uh, going to look like in the future, though? You know, uh, the dream has always been to have our own brewery. Uh, we've been lucky enough to have some friends allow us into their place to make as much beer as we can, but also continue to grow that amount in those places. But you know, in terms of looking or where or where we have, we we have no preconceived notions as much as we just want to find the right place that allows us to keep growing and and making awesome beer. We're right on. All right. Well, thank you very much. Jude and Jeremiah. <laughs> I love it. And uh, no, that was good. We should keep great. that. We should keep that. <laughs> and we'll wrap up the worst interview ever here at the Great Taste of the Midwest. This is Jim this signing is out. So we continue on with our 2019 coverage of Great Taste of the Midwest. We are here with Jason Brewer from Listerman out of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. So, Jason, uh, tell us, you're a rookie this year, right? Yes. What are your first impressions as, as we can look at this mass of humanity over here waiting to get in in 20 it's minutes? It's a half hour until we start, and I there's, know. I see like a thousand people already. They're this staring is crazy. jealously. I, I've been waiting to be at this festival, poor beer at this festival for 10 years. I'm just so happy to be here and looking forward to today for sure. What are your first impressions of the festival so far, even though it hasn't started? Yeah, it's a great venue. I mean, it's on a lake overlooking the city, so it's just, it's great. Tons of great breweries here. Everyone's so nice. Everyone's been coming up welcoming us here, and it's just it's it's just been awesome. So tell us a little bit about Listerman. Uh, what are you guys pouring today? Uh, I got a nice little fun story. You uh, have a beer that you named after a hippo, a baby hippo at the Cincinnati Zoo. That's right. So kind of have a long long story. Uh, founded in '91 by Dan and Sue Listerman, they started making homebrew supplies um, or homebrew store in '95, brewery in 2008, um, and that's you know the very abbreviated version. Uh, the beers we have today are Team Fiona, named after the Cincinnati's version of Little Sebastian, a premature baby hippo at the Cincinnati Zoo. Uh, we have Mama Needs a Milkshake, is a strawberry, blackberry, uh, New England IPA milkshake. And then we have uh, three different Imperial Chacals that are time tapping. So peach brandy, rum maple, and bourbon maple. Awesome. We're definitely going to have to stop back for those. Um, so just for our listeners, uh, we're based out of Milwaukee. I mean, Cincinnati's pretty much a thoroughfare if you're going anywhere out east. Yeah. Um, so what can what can our listeners expect uh, coming into Listerman for the first time? Uh, I think you're, you'll get a very welcoming environment. Our staff is very knowledgeable and willing to talk uh, beer, as much beer as, or as little beer uh, with you as possible. And we always have a crazy amount of rotating beer. So it's always going to be something new and interesting on, uh, sometimes barrel aids, sometimes not. But, you know, it's always high quality and we're proud of everything we put on tap. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thanks and, uh, for having hopefully me. Hopefully if we, ever, we make the Cincinnati trip, I mean, we're working on Michigan and Minnesota, but... We make the Ohio trip. You guys are on the list. Heck yeah. Right, cheers. Cheers. 
We continue on here at the Great Taste of the Midwest, and another special guest, Henry from Mobcraft, friend of the show. Hey, so, Jim. Henry, what does Great Taste of the Midwest mean to you? So this was actually the first beer festival I ever went to, way, way back in the day. I rode a bus from Capitol Brewery over here, and this is, uh, I think, our sixth year. So a good time for all of our staff to come out and have a blast. You get here super early, get Bloody Marys right off the bat, and yeah, that's what it means. That's great. Uh, What's going on at the brewery? Favorite thing that's going on at the brewery is the development of some new beers. Uh, we did a, I think it's called archaeobiology. That's the sexy term for it. But our business partner, Andrew, actually isolated a yeast out of a defunct brewery's beer cellars. And that brewery burned down in 1888. So we got an awesome lager called Gear Beer brewed with that. And uh, we're having our six-year birthday party called Weird Fest. I actually, yeah, there's some fun beers coming out that made up a new style of beer called a Weird Ale. You'll just have to come try it. <laughs> All right, and we'll wrap it up here with Henry from Mobcraft at the Great Taste of the Midwest. Oh, boy. All right, continuing our coverage of the 2019 Great Taste of the Midwest Fest, we're here with the organizer, the man in charge. How do you, How is it going, Jason? It's going really well. We've got fantastic weather. I see a lot of really happy faces coming in, and uh, we're going to keep them smiling. Things are running smoothly inside the park, and... Uh, we're looking forward to a really great day. How how has your staff responded? You guys are doing some new things this year. It seems like everybody's excited. What, what can you tell us about all of the uh, all of the the supporters and the uh, the volunteers today? Yeah, I'm just I'm constantly impressed and surprised with how much support I get and how much effort our teams put in to make this such a well-oiled machine. To to it's the behind-the-scenes details that a lot of folks may not see but we put so much effort into it to make it such a seamless experience for those who join us today. Um, and that's really what it's all about. And it shows. Everybody that we talk to is so impressed with the way everything's brought to them. They barely have to lift a, a finger yep. except to pour a beer, you know? Yeah, and we like to do that. We, we like to take care of our brewers when they show up with their vehicle. We unload all their gear. We unload their beer. <laughs> we deliver it to their booth. We really take good care of them, and they really appreciate it. So they treat us well back. So. Awesome. So tell us about the moment that we just witnessed. Everybody's lined up here. We counted it down from 10. What? I, I still get goosebumps every year. I, I have goosebumps right now, to be totally honest. Uh, that's a lot of energy there. there. That's a lot of people who are really excited about today. Um, I'm really excited about today. So to, to be able to yell in that megaphone and let all these happy people in to enjoy this festival is it's really special awesome yeah well, hey thanks for taking a minute for us and i know you're busy so let's get back to it thanks so much awesome All right, we're back, and uh, really cool hearing from Jason. And I think we got to mention again, that was right after the opening. It was just amazing because I saw the video from last year, which I was not there. It was really cool being there in person because uh, it wasn't just one line. Everybody was set up around the perimeter, kind of the fence went down, and everybody just kind of walked in. Uh, just crazy, and when you see the footage, we had we had a drone up there, and it was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy, but... Um, we got some heavy hitters coming up here for the second part of our show here. You know, to, to go back to the first part, I think one of the really interesting things about the way they set the, the festival up is that you've got all these, these people uh, ready to enter the festival, and they're all set up around this kind of semicircle, and all of them have a view of the rookie tent. And it really makes the rookie tent look like 
like fresh meat, you know, like, <laughs> like people are just ready to pounce. It's like, we've never seen these people at this festival. Some of these people have been coming to this festival for years. They have never seen these breweries at this festival. You better believe. But all four, four of them were all four were rookies too, weren't they? Yeah. All four of the breweries in there were rookies. We've got uh, interviews with two of them. We got Hot Butcher and Listerman uh, in that first uh, series of interviews. And wow, it just, they seemed overwhelmed. The rookies seemed overwhelmed overwhelmed i i think the people walking into the festival like jesus said a little bit overwhelmed but what an amazing scene you know it, it is absolutely amazing and you saw some people doing the running for ticks and you know there are definitely some whale takers that were running over to the top link goliath tent uh, for the turmoil and the morning delight uh, taps that they had on there uh, but really I, I think if you took your time went over to the rookie tent and then walked up the hill Right there was off color, and they had Fox in the Snow, which is one of the best mixed firm beers that I had throughout the whole fest. Can we talk about our low-key favorite beer of the festival? Because yeah. for me, it was also Fox in the Snow. I It blew my mind a little bit. That was a fantastic I, beer. I was in complete, I'm in complete agreement with the both of you. That was by far and away my low-key favorite now obviously nobody gets to try all the beers at the festival we talked about that in the preview episode it's just it's impossible but of the beers that that i was able to try that was my low-key favorite hazers do you, do you i mean one? it's I, I gotta i mean i'm with you guys I, we were at, <laughs> attached at the hip the whole time so i mean you had your big hitters you know like uh, goose island had some amazing beers oh, the 2014 it, rye. yeah i mean vanilla there was some, rye, right i mean but, that's the rye that's vanilla what, one of the top 2014 beers of all time. right but people know about that stuff yeah it's a low-key one yeah that was definitely that was definitely one of them yeah, yeah. for sure getting to try the the morning delight uh, to a week before they actually release it i mean that's that's always a favorite thing um uh, yeah. the new glare sours uh you know they brought it again this year uh the blackberry sour the vintage 18 dan yeah. carey crushes it jim you actually got to uh talk with dan carey for a little bit uh tell us about that interview that you guys had uh, it was a total fanboy moment i was literally <laughs> stumbling over myself uh and, but he was uh, incredibly gracious, and we got a great interview with him. You know, we really talked about how Nuglaris is as excited about their growth as people are to try their beers. Uh, Dan is still, even though they're going on 30-plus years, excited to introduce new beers every year. One of the highlights for me is... Um Three Floyds actually talked to us. What? No, how did that happen? I, I was not there. Well, let's get back. Yeah, let's talk about the heavy hitters coming up in the second part. We got Three Floyds. Yeah, so Three Floyds, we've uh, we've tried to interview them a couple of times, a couple of years now, and um, every time they tell us there's one person that can talk to you and she's not here. <laughs> That's typically the, the response that we get from Three Floyds. And you know what? They, they've earned that. You know, they, they've got the reputation for being a little punk rock. They can talk to who they want to, uh, when they want to. They're a little metal. You know, the, it, it's the Three Floyds way. But also... They've been one of our favorite craft breweries for a long, long time. All of us, anybody who's into craft beer, you know who Three Floyds is. So to be able to uh, to get a representative to, uh, from Three Floyds to talk to us, that was a big deal for us. Honestly, we went over that last time just to get shot down. And <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> Instead, it worked out, and we got the interview. And I thought we got a lot of really good information on that one. So who else did we get in the second part? I think we got microphone in Goose Island, right? Yeah, so we got Goose Island literally right before the 2014 Rye Vanilla was released. 
that was a fantastic, fantastic experience. Not just the interview, but trying that beer was just amazing. Uh, I only tried it one other time. That was on Andy's birthday. He happened to get a bottle, a, a trade for a Pappy Van Winkle or something. Part of it. <laughs> so that was an amazing beer to experience again. Just all marshmallow fluff and chocolate and amazingness. That is that is a beer that will go down in history as one of the best ever. But I think for me, one of the, one of the favorite moments, at least from the times that that we've attended, either together as part of the podcast or together without the podcast uh, being a part of Great Taste, um, is just some of the special moments we will, we that just, we just happened upon. Uh, and one of my favorites was uh, we towards the end of the festival, we we ran into Fred Swanson, one of the creators, and uh, Levi Funk, uh, you know, owner of Funk Factory Guzzeria. You know, I'll tell you what, sometimes Fred Swanson is like uh, Waldo at these things. Like, where where's Waldo? Where's Fred Swanson? We look for him every year because we want to get that interview. It always ends up that we just happen to run into him at the perfect time. Last year, we ran into him while we were doing a video interview with Shafley Brewery, one of Fred's favorite people at the festival. And this year, it was, uh, it was with a rookie. It was with uh, Levi Funk from Funk Factory. And... What what an interview that was! Talking about Levi's first time there, talking about you know Fred's many many years and the people who have come through. It just seems to be a magical moment every time we run into Fred Swanson at Great Taste in the Midwest. I think that and um, one of the last conversations we had before walking out the door, um, you know, to, uh, taking some notes for a future episode with uh, Kyle and, and Mike 2.0 from Microphone. Um, talking to them before we left. It's, it's just a, such such a great thing. You could throw it back to last season with Hashtag Love Fest. Uh, it was just a great big hug from those guys before we left the festival. And also, while we're talking to Fred and Levi, uh, the guys from Off Color were putting together a makeshift uh, slip and slide. Do you guys remember this? It's surreal. Uh, we got video. <laughs> we've got video. Uh, sliding down a slip and slide on a, uh, a blow-up crocodile if i remember right uh, things just i don't know things just take a turn uh things got weird at the end <laughs> let's just say it's a, uh four plus hours of drinking some of the the best beer in the midwest i mean i will point out uh, which is great taste is all about right uh things get a little weird at the end yeah so the the first half of our interviews was uh, was definitely rookie heavy uh we want to kind of focus on some of the the breweries that haven't been there before and uh the second half is uh, a lot of heavy hitters you know a lot of a lot of big breweries that you want to hear from that we've interviewed before but are always so much fun that we just have to have to find them again so this is going to lead into our second half and uh we hope you enjoy all right, we're continuing our coverage here at the 2019 Great Taste of the Midwest, and we're here with Mike Palin, Microphone Brewing. And uh, we've been asking everybody, Mike, what makes the Great Taste great? Honestly, I go and travel the world, like you guys know. And it's it's honest, it's the people that come here. Every fest you go to on the road is usually chaotic and hectic and nuts. This has got a chill vibe. People are just coming here to enjoy beer and meet breweries and relax and enjoy it. It's, it's, it's so different. And you've got, what, 6,000 people here? You don't feel that way. You don't feel like there's mad rushes everywhere and crowdedness. It's just people kind of moving around throughout this process, hanging out, talking, enjoying beer. So it's been fun, man. You know, Madison holds a, a crazy place in my heart. This is, my, this is the best fest in the world. I'm not going to, like, 
I told Fred the Sir, I'm like, this is the best festival. You guys have done it. How you've done it as a homebrew club has done it. It's, it's insane. So when we when we won the lottery this year, it was uh, we knew we had we this this is the calendar, the big heart in the calendar. I mean, we've talked about it before, Mike. What, just for the video for Great Taste, smells like a beer fest. You kind of you kind of base what you do there on a smaller scale, you know, a smaller scale off of this festival, right? Hundred percent. And yeah, with uh, you know, with all the success out of that fest, we, we realized we have to go bigger. And a lot of that comes out of what these guys do here. How do you handle food? How do you handle more vendors? How do you handle more people coming into it? So yeah, we take into consider all that stuff. And honestly, like planning a fest like this is a wedding. You're planning all year long to get to this one date, and your favorite date is the day after because you can finally relax. And it's just, it's uh, it's great. But to see all these people coming out, and, I mean, you saw the lineup this morning. Just people were people were ready to come in. We we're thirsty, and having a good time. And what I think has been great about this fest is that you're building up the week now. It's not just come for Saturday. It's come for Friday. Come for Thursday. You're gonna start seeing more and more stuff of that happening, which I love to see. I mean, even even uh, what you put back into the community. So they do the same thing here too. It's just awesome. It's just. It really is. I mean, like I said, Fred and the Homebrew Club. They they do all this stuff out of the passion of their heart to make sure people who love beer can actually experience the best in the West. And it's funny because we were at a funk factory yesterday, and there's a bunch of brewers from Florida and from Pittsburgh and from here and there, and you're like, oh, that's right, you guys can't come tomorrow. <laughs> but actually they're here and they're just seeing why this is so great and I'm sure like if they could get in somehow they would get in. You know, they want to be here, people want to be here. So it's a testament to this fest and what it's been over what, twenty years now? No, this is the thirty third year. Thirty third year. I mean I it's insane. Absolutely insane. So it's kudos to them and we will be here every year they ask us to come. Now you gotta tell us what did you bring today? So what we've learned here at this fest is that microphone has a good Madison feel. And I was actually, my wife my wife is here for the first time ever. And I was like, hey, we've uh, seen the line all day. How about we open up a uh, microphone beer code like we planned to do a few years ago? We'll see, we'll see. But no, uh, every year we come here, we bring more and more. The first year was four. The next few years were six. Now we're up to nine six tools. And we're just we're just flying through them. So we've got everything from mic check, one, two, to rock in the suburbs on the hoppy side. We've got professional griefers, and uh, I think it's fly when Levi stops by as our kind of our fruited entries. Um, Oreo Speedway was here, but that was the first one to kick for us. We brought a special fest beer, which, like I said, this is my favorite fest, so I want to do something special for it. So every year we pull off a special beer and make it for this fest. So this year was a maple syrup stout, heavy in the maple, maple syrup stout into barrel, journeyman distillery barrel. And we added condensed milk and cinnamon, and it's it's fun. It's great. We just tapped it at two. It's been going nuts over here. So after that, we'll put on a Bean Spirit DMV and uh, go from there. Ride the night out. Right. So speaking of Bean Spirit, it seems to be an ever-expanding line. What are some of the flavors you got in the pipeline? Yeah. So we we were able to get a special roast of beans, aged batak, uh, blue batak, and. That beer has honestly been rated the highest beer we've ever made, and we just actually are in a magazine coming out soon that proves that. We are able to get the aged version so of those beans, so we're super excited to see what that does, because we've used Sumatra, then the Blue Batak, and now these aged beans, so we'll see what happens. Right now we've got a mochaccino in the tanks, so happy chocolate. So we're just, we're playing with it, we're having fun, but it's gotta make sense to the beer. The other day we did a, a customer, a fan, uh, not fan appreciation, uh, staff appreciation night, and one of our employees had saved every bottle. 
so we popped them open, popped them open, popped them open. At the end of the night, marshmallow tasted like a campfired marshmallow. Incredible. But our group favorite, which I know people are going to laugh at us and talk about us <laughs> on, online, ba- maple bacon. The smokiness that has built up through that bottle over this last year and a half is insane. Oh, nice. And it just complements the maple so perfectly. So we, we're really happy with how that turned out, and we're like, maybe we should make it again. Any more bottles on the around? Not, not <laughs> So we'd be remiss if, if we didn't give Charlotte a nod, your new addition to the microphone team. Um, what does she bring to your company? I mean, she was killing it at only child, and she's just going to take off with you guys, too. So honestly, what I've learned is that I can't do this stuff by myself anymore. In the beginning, I was a one-man wrecking machine. It was, it, was, it was great, but it was hard. It was stressful. And what I've learned is that if you want to grow and be better, you got to bring better people in. And I learned that I became a social media dinosaur. I used to work in social media, but I realized I can't do that capability if I can't give it 110. So Charlotte was available. And a lot of the hires at Microphone have never been, I need somebody, I want somebody. And she's a want. And even today, I, I said to my wife, I'm like, this is why I'm so happy to have you because you just did this post without even. I went up, like, make, make sure you do this post. And she's like, oh, it's already been done. I'm like, seamless. Right? Perfect. So I've learned to hire people to better our company. And it's Charlotte's case in point one. And honestly, we have a, a, a big announcement that we're bringing up Paul from Jay Wakefield. Oh, nice. He's going to be our new brewer coming up. Um, just to kind of compliment what we're doing and continue to kick ass and make more beer and do whatever we can to you know, continue to grow, establish, and uh, build better beers. So, so as we wrap up here today at Great Taste, Mike, uh, last question I have for you. What's coming down the pipeline uh, through Octopi to head out into the world outside of uh, Elk Grove? So Octopi is going through this massive expansion right now, and Isaac, what he's done up there, he is honestly on track to be the number one contract brewer in the United States. And I appreciate it from that. He's, he's got the best brew house, he's got all the best equipment. With that, he had to expand. So we've been on hold for a little bit because we're not at, like, he's had brands there for years that needed to have their product come out week after week. Um, we've only started brewing there recently, so we've got, I think, four, five years now out of there. Um, but once expansion's done, I'm going to try to go once a month on there. And so one of the first beers we're going to come out of there with is, uh, smells like bean spirit hazelnut. Nice. Yeah. Nice. We're probably going to move Slim Hazy up there. Um, bean spirit decadent will be up there. And then a new IPA. Awesome. Get it out to the world, Max. That's Your stuff's we're fantastic. Do, yeah. We're trying to do it for the rest of the year. And, you know, we've loved seeing beer down in, uh, in back up in Wisconsin on shelves. Yeah. And it's been fun for our consumers to get down the flow. So once that expansion is done and good, we're, we're, we're committed to brewing a lot more beer up there. Awesome. Well, thanks for the time, Mike. We appreciate you, it. Always good to see you. Welcome back to the Tap Takeover Podcast. We have a re- the most amazing special guest that we have ever had, and that is Dan from New Glarus Brewing. Thank you so much for spending a moment of your time here at the Great Taste of the Midwest. So let's just get in. You have been a fixture at Great Taste of the Midwest. What makes Great Taste great to you? Well, it gives me a chance to come out and talk to people that drink my beer, talk to my customers to find out what they like, what they don't like, and I learn from them. Helps me to be a better uh, brewer if I know what my customers want. Because, like like Deb says, if if people aren't buying the beer, then you're just a glorified home brewer. <laughs> well, you have been making amazing beers for how many years now? Well, I've been brewing for. 
40 years, but the brewery's been in business for 26. Yeah. You just released a special R&D series this past weekend, just in front of Great Taste of the Midwest. How did that go? Well, we did two beers. We did our Vintage 2018, which is a Guz, or Lambic-style beer, and also a, um, a fruited Lambic-style beer with uh, blackberries, sour blackberries. Doing well. Doing well. So far, so good. Yeah, I mean, uh, last I checked, uh, every allotment sold out. You've been doing what you've always been doing. Yet lately, uh, I, I would say since the release of Strawberry Rhubarb, Nuglera suddenly is a go-to brewery. Have you done anything different, or are you just doing everything the Dan Carey way? Well, we're we're pretty much tr- trying to do what we've always done, and like every brewer, year after year, we hone our craft. But also, I have a lot of really good, trusted people that are working with me now. Um, I, I have... Uh, person, a sensory scientist that she's um, uh, an amazing scientist and she helps me understand flavor. I have a really good technical brewer, two technical brewers that are really good at looking at the discipline about brewing beer. So I've surrounded myself with really smart people. So a lot of what we do is not because of me, it's because of the people on the Nuglaris team. So I'm really blessed that I'm surrounded by people that are energized to, to make the beer better. And we try day by day to just to do better. What can we expect coming up here in the 2020 year? I think so. Well, you know, we're getting ready to sit down to talk about 2020, what kind of beers to make. and. It's always a difficult thing because you have to make a beer that's interesting. You have to make a beer that will sell. You have to make a beer that is interesting enough that someone is willing to go out of their way to buy it because every day that goes by, there's more and more choices. So to stay relevant without being gimmicky is hard. So I think we'll be doing different things in 2020, but it'll be more of the same. We hope to push the envelope in our own way, not to not to follow the herd. So it's still up in the air what we will be making, but this year we tried to really be disciplined and make just make good beer. And uh, so we were excited this year and I hope to do it again next year. Well, you certainly released several fantastic beers. Uh, we have a little bit uh, cooler. Also, it was a fantastic beer. Uh, how did that come about? Well, about 15 years ago, I went to a Lambic brewery in Belgium, and uh, they had uh, they had a tea Lambic, and I thought it was like one of the best beers I, I'd ever had. It was spectacular. And they said to me, well, you know, it's not really selling very well for us, and uh, we're going to discontinue it. So then years went by, and I always had it in the back of my mind, and we make lots of Lambic-style beers, and so we make Lambic beers with fruit, and there's really only so many fruits that are relevant without being gimmicky and I thought you know what let's try this and it took about six months of tweaking pilot brewing and testing to finally figure out a combination that tasted good because I wanted a beer that was a good summer beer I didn't want something that 
you know, that pushed the envelope. I wanted something that just tasted good to drink. The the special sauce for Nuglayers has been your blending ability, right? Because you blend almost all your wild ales, your sours. You do spontaneously ferment, but you allow those beers to express themselves. Do you taste these beers? We have 20 tanks anywhere from... 5 hectoliters to 100 hectoliters, so anywhere from more or less 5 barrels to 100 barrels. And we used to, when I first started, we had two tanks, two, two more or less 30 barrel tanks, but then we started to get uh, bourbon barrels and wine barrels, small oak tanks, but the problem with that was if you have 100 or 200, you got to taste them all to blend, and for me personally, that was exhausting, and it's hard to taste so much beer and, and stay focused for obvious reasons. So um, we switched to these, what you would call, home brewers or brewers call them fooders, but that's that's a, a Belgian word, I call them tanks because I'm American so um, it's easy for me to taste to take 20 tanks and lay them out on a, uh, samples out of and lay them out on the table and mix and match so maybe one year uh, you know in, in the in the winter we'll say we want to make this X beer next year so I'll put the beers out I'll put the beers out and taste them and say well this one's not ready because sometimes they're really disjointed. Other times, they're just perfect. And maybe a beer that's disjointed now in three years is going to be perfect. So I hold on to that tank, and I have sweet tanks, meaning tanks that I know will make a good beer. And I'll keep filling those. And um, just sit down and blend them together. And uh, then I'll bring them to our taste panel and say, does this taste good? They'll say, no. All right. And I'll go back to the drawing board and keep trying until they come up with something that hits the flavor combination. And it, it really is all about subtleties. Taste is not something you can measure with a gas chromatograph, for example. Well, thank you, Dan. I really appreciate you taking your time out today here at the Great Taste of Midwest. Dan, thank you again so much for today. Thanks for coming by. Uh, cheers. your interest. Cheers. Back with our uh, 2019 coverage of the Great Taste of the Midwest, and I'm here with Marty from Revolution, friend of the show. Marty, what have you been up to since the last time we talked to you? And please tell me a little bit about what you brought for a Great Taste of the Midwest. It's good to see everybody. It's still barrel season, evidently. We just released <laughs> uh, two summer barley wines, so spent the last couple months getting that dialed in. We just released it uh, three weeks ago. We sold uh, sold out a barley wine nice. on the hottest day in Chicago in like 20 years or something like that. That speaks to the quality of the barley wine. Uh, I hope so. Uh, we're the madness of our fans. Yeah, so we're doing some time tappings today. We just did the strawberry jacket. We got vanilla deeth from last year coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. And then uh, something called VSOJ at 4 it's always a fun time. You like uh, bringing your big dumb beers for people to, to try. Uh, you know everybody's going to bring the, the hitters. So we've been talking about the beer with everybody, but we've also been asking everybody, what makes Great Taste of the Midwest great for you? Oh, it's seeing all the friends. Uh, I mean, everybody's Midwest nice. All my brewer friends and all my industry friends come out here. and you. You don't have to ask people, or are you going to the taste? You're just going to see them at the taste. <laughs> uh, that and Madison is pound for pound uh, one of the greatest cities in the Midwest. Uh, if you can't have a good time here, that's totally on you. Um, <laughs> good point. It's a, it's a total package. It's close to home, but far away enough to get out of town drunk. 
everybody's nice. You see everybody, and everybody brings the best beers they possibly can. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, you said barrel season isn't over. Does barrel season ever end? What, what, do, you, what do you guys got? What's uh, what's coming out? What yeah. what kind of fun barrel stories can you tell us? It doesn't end anymore now that uh, some, summer barley wine's a thing. Um, <laughs> now that you've made it a thing. Uh, well, we didn't make it a thing. We just made beer. You guys made it a thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're getting ready to... Uh, we're about to announce the lineup for this year's Deepwood series. We just got our ABVs finalized yesterday, I think, or Thursday afternoon. I sent that email off. Marketing has been waiting forever. Any, any breaking news? Uh, we'll see. Uh, we're going we're gonna to make the announcement in, uh, in the next week, I think. Um, I don't know if the, the actual day has been finalized yet. We will be available to talk uh, about anything. Uh, there's a couple beers that we're going to be releasing that people are going to be very excited about. A couple of crowd favorite draft variants from years past uh, have been promoted to packaging. Um, some different approaches on uh, some existing beers, um, really using math and blending uh, as much as possible. Uh, made a lot of big strides in the last few years, uh, especially in blending and brewing disparate beers uh, to age differently and then blend uh, to hit exactly what we want in the finished product. This is the first year that I think all of the beer that we're going to release was mashed in with the idea of being hyper dry or hyper sweet for blending. Uh, so this is the first time yeah, that, that these beers are going to be exactly what we intend them to be. Uh, we, we get one shot a year at these, so progress is usually painfully slow. But we made a couple of big leaps in the last year or two, and all the beers this year will be uh, as a brewer intended. That is the expression. Nice, Marty. So before we wrap up, uh, I'd like to g have you give yourself a little uh, social media shout-out for your, your, your Twitter account, which you give away a pretty exclusive rights to uh, events at Rev, uh, plus some pretty hot tips. I mean, that, that cuvee with the New Belgian and straight jacket, that's just money. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah the, uh, the Belgian red. Uh, the, <laughs> the Belgian, oh, oh, yeah. oh, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that was the, the cuvee that uh, inspired Double Barrel VSOJ Cherry Rye. Just drinking Belgian, it was a bottle share, and it was still when straight jacket was in bottles, and I didn't want the whole bottle of straight jacket. Uh, it was kind of late in the bottle <laughs> share, and somebody else hadn't finished the New Glarus Belgian Red, so I did a little cuvee, and it was just stellar. Uh, so then we designed a beer around that. Um, but yeah, so at Rev Barrels, uh, I do Twitter contests leading up to all the Deepwood releases. Uh, if you're the first person to tweet back with a photo of you drinking a beer with a dog or something like that, uh, you plus one will get skip the line privileges uh, to the party. If I'm feeling up to it and I've got the time, we'll throw a tour or something in there as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's great to get people involved uh, and uh, get that many more people out to the brewery that might not want to stand in line. Uh, so if it's a if it's a deal maker for them coming out and enjoying themselves, so they don't have to wait in line. Uh, Don Bixel, uh, Chief Commercial Officer, <laughs> VP of something, nice. uh, is watching <laughs> us. Nice. So you guys have had a, a lot of fun new beers this year. The the Freedom of Speech uh, Sour is, really stands out as a fantastic uh, version of, you know, just a fun-fruited sour. You guys also, this past year, have finally gotten into the hazy game. 
Uh, we saw the New England hero, and we've seen a couple hazies at the event today. So a little late to the game, but you guys are, are smashing it. Tell us what it took to get you guys into the haze. You know, a lot of us were curmudgeons about it. We wanted to make sure that first the, the style was not just going to be a flash in the pan trend. Uh, once we learned a lot about the style uh, and found that the appearance of the beer uh, was actually a side effect of what's necessary about the chemistry to uh, have this bio transformation and everything in the hops uh, and there are flavors that you can only get from the hops when you produce a beer with that water chemistry uh, and all those polyphenol all those uh, polyphenols in suspension so as soon as we learned that it was uh, it was real science and that there were cool things that you could do only by making those beers uh, we did our homework and uh, we started brewing and a uh, huge shout out to Glenn Allen our brewery manager and uh, John Palos or Jumpy uh, over at the brew pub those guys really did the majority of the legwork getting us from zero to hopefully up to speed uh, in a damn hurry. Nice well can't wait to see what you guys have coming next we'd love to come out and uh, check up with you see about that barrel aging program uh, what fun new stuff you guys have but uh, thanks for taking a couple minutes for us. Oh it's my pleasure great to see you guys. Welcome back. This is Jim from the Tap Takeover Podcast. We're here in our continuing great taste of the Midwest coverage and with friend of the show, Anello Malika from Central Waters. Anello, how is great taste of the Midwest great to you? Well, how's it going there, Jim? <laughs> uh, it's going fantastic. Uh, I'm drinking an unsettled, hazy IPA, and let me tell you, it tastes a little extra sweet, I'm just going to say. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Isn't that what we're going for there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, I've got so much material, uh, Nello. I know. I know. we got a lot to talk about. Uh, the Great Taste is awesome, man. This is, this is a great year. The weather's beautiful. It's kind of cloudy. It's windy. We're in the best spot in the park because we're right on the lake. It's, it's awesome. Good times. I mean, last time we talked, there was going to be no hazy IPA. But overall, yours... That was a long time ago. Come on, man. That was a long time. A year and a half. But yeah, yeah, that's old shit. And come on, let's talk about new news. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the new news because honestly, the evolution of Central Waters in the past year has been really amazing. Uh, what's been driving that evolution? Thanks, I appreciate that. You know, um, a lot of different things spark creativity and um, innovation, and that's that's really what we started talking about amongst ourselves. Was you know we want to continue to. Con consider ourselves an innovative brewery and not just jumping on like a particular style trend but trying to do things uniquely and doing them our own way so our pilot system has been running in full effect um, we've got to currently have a three barrel pilot brewery that we're doing all kinds of crazy stuff so basically if anybody's got an idea go for it let's try it out you know and then it gives us a very direct um, consumer feedback through our tap room. So people try it. We can see how fast it poured. We can listen to consumers' feedback on it, watch untapped scores, things like that. Uh, and then we talk to the market. You know, we talk to our retail partners. What are your consumers asking for? Is this something that we're comfortable making? Does it fit our model of who we think we are? And, you know, we certainly, what you're pointing out, over the last year and a half, we've broadened our own definition of who we think we are. Um, 
not just a barrel aging brewery. Very solid core of year-round beers that we're really proud of. Those are, those are still our main focus. The Mud Puppy Porters, Honey Blondes, HHG, Rift. These are all the things we spend the most time on. Um, and then, you know, we pride ourselves on barrel aging, obviously. But we're not just that, you know. I think something that we were noticing is that Nobody really knew us as a hop brewer, you know, that wasn't the that wasn't the reputation of Central Waters, and we set out to change that. Um, I think we've done a pretty good job of it. Absolutely, and it's, you've said many times, you are creating Central Waters to outlive you, Simon That's and right. Paul. Uh, so, and you have to adapt to the current market and able to even do. do that, right? You do. I mean, you know, if you have consumers asking you for something, as long as it fits the model you're okay with, I don't think any brewer should be brewing something uh, if they don't, if it if it doesn't fit who they are. Um, so you just have to keep that in mind. There, there, are, there are styles up there that I, you know, I learned on your show to never say never. Uh, but, By the way, we are the other podcast. I saw that. Thanks, bud. <laughs> the other podcast. <laughs> well, you know, we had to do. I don't know. I, uh, you know how these. We're always. Doing this when we're drinking. Come on. I know. You know? Well, that's the point. I mean, <laughs> uh, so you know, some of the beers that we've done this year so far that have come out that I'm frankly the most proud of. There's really two of them because I consider them to be the most innovative, uh, something unique that nobody else was doing. The first one we did was Crew Drive. That's our Pilsner, but it's a brooded Pilsner. And to our knowledge, it's the only brooded Pilsner currently really available right now. I think like Oscar Blues did one a couple years ago, but. I've never seen another one. And I love it because it, it adds this crisp dryness to the back end of the beer that just keeps you drinking more. Um, and it's incredibly refreshing. So that was the first one I'm like, man, this is innovative. This is a piece of Central Waters. Um, right when we were doing the pilots of that, we had also made the Tangerine New England, which came out in January, which I really liked. And it was very orangey. You know, it's almost like orange juice. Well, Crude Drive is almost like champagne because it's so dry. Started thinking about the mixture of these two and what cocktail does that make? Uh, mimosa. Mimosa, you got it. So last month we dropped cans of that, which was actually a blending of a tangerine New England and a brooded pilsner, and we kind of created this very orangey dry beer uh, that was exactly what we were shooting for. And I was really proud of Simon and Mitch and Paul and our whole our whole brewing staff that pulled that off. I don't think we could have done that one any better. Yeah, it's it's really fantastic. Fantastic to see Sensuaris continue to grow and evolve. What can we expect uh, for the rest of 2019 and 2020? And uh, you know how we are. We love breaking news. I know you love breaking news. So, coming out the rest of this year, Unsettled comes back again in September. We're doing that every 90 days right now. October, we'll see the return of Hope is Brewing, which is the beer that we do to raise money and awareness for breast cancer treatment. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, we do a uh, raspberry mango kettle sour, and the beer is pink with a pink foam and a pink head. We have pink tap handles for it. So if you see it, support it. We donate money to the breast cancer treatment for that. November will be a new beer. Uh, that is a beer we're calling Extremely Unsettled. It is a double hazy. Uh, that's coming out then, and then December we're going to roll back to Unsettled again. Uh, the new seasonal this winter, actually. So we have Oktoberfest out right now, and then years past we've always had Slanja, which is our Scotch Elm. We're giving that beer a break right now, and we're going to bring Brewhouse Coffee Stout out in six-pack cans. 
at the, at the same price point as our flakes would be. Okay, so Brew House is one of my favorite coffee stouts. Yeah. And the other thing I love about it, $5 a bomber. Yeah. Retail. Retail. That is news to my ears because, <laughs> to me, because I literally, it's one of my favorite coffee beers. Awesome. We appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So six-pack cans, it's going to be an awesome way to drink that beer. And now, as always, uh, thank you very much for your time and have a great taste of the Midwest. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. All right, so Alex here, continuing our coverage of the 2019 Great Taste Fest, and we're here with... Parker Kincaid, Greenfields Brewing Company. So we've been uh, trying to get an interview with you guys at Great Taste for a few years. You've been coming for about six years, you've said. I've been here for six, I believe. I don't know the exact number, but we have been coming here for a long time. Our introduction into the Wisconsin market, if I'm correct, was initially because of this festival. Wow. We, well, we've, we've been in Madison for a while, we've been in Milwaukee for a while, but, you know, while I wasn't with the company 20 years ago, <laughs> I'm fairly sure we were one of the early Chicago acceptees into it. That's pretty cool. So, for luck. So you've been coming for six years. Three Floyds have been here for a long time. What We've been asking everybody today, what makes Great Taste great for you? Great Taste is wonderful for us, partially because they just know what they're doing. You go to so many beer festivals, not to speak ill of anyone, but we've all been to those beer festivals, right? <laughs> yes, we are. You're only allowed to have 10 samples, and then you got to get out. You're, <laughs> you're only giving, you know, you can only have so many ounces. And this is just a celebration of beer. You know, that's why we come. That's why, you know, we don't go to beer festivals anywhere else and bring Dark Lord. But we bring it here because it's special. So so tell us a little bit about uh, your role at Three Floyds and, and what can uh, what can our listeners look forward to coming on into the to one of your many tap rooms? Absolutely. So um, I am the Wisconsin State Manager. Before this I ran the Chicago Land Market, which is our primary market. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've been living now in Wisconsin for four months. I live in Milwaukee. Baby. Um, <laughs> nice. You know, I feel like I can rep it now. And I've been with the company as long as I've been coming here for awesome. six years. Uh, for the future with Three Floyds, uh, we're definitely excited about our distillery. It is finally up and going. Our spirits are amazing. Well, the microphone's off. If you guys want to sample some, I've got some back here for you. We will take you up on that. All right. And, uh, <laughs> At some point in the future, I can't say say when yet, because we truly don't know. You can probably start looking for that in your finer cocktail bars. Awesome. What else? Innovation. You know, Three Floyds wouldn't be Three Floyds if we weren't innovating. It's not normal is our tagline. It has been for 23 years, since 1996, when Nick Floyd started this brewery in a tiny garage space in Hammond, Indiana. You know, we're not, we were just... We were just got released in the last year that we're now something crazy like the 36th largest craft brewery in America. Which is immense. Terrifying (laughs) as one of its major market managers. So, uh, but it's really cool to see how far it's come. Awesome. So just something kind of fun to to wrap it up a little bit. You've been coming here for six years. What's some of your favorite memories of Great Taste? Favorite memories? The best part me of being a great taste so we come up here with a crew we come up here with 24 people 
and it's a chance for the sales team and some of the management to really get to be with our production staff. You know, the guys that make Three Floyds happen, that do the grunt work, that sweat every day. We get to bring them here and show them what Three Floyds means to everyone else. And year in, year out, seeing these young guys see the appreciation of their hard work, that's the number one. Uh, other than that, it's one of the best chances to meet some of your heroes. You know, there are great brewers up here every year. Being able to touch base with people like Fatheads who we don't get to see very often because they don't distribute it in our, our markets and kind of getting to get those those relationships. That's, that's, that's a perfect answer because it's all about, you know, coming home and meeting your friends here today, right? So thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. I mean. Any chance you could set up a full-scale interview for us, we'd, we'd love to entertain it. I, yeah. I'll give you my business card. <laughs> that sounds like the politically correct answer. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for your time, man. Thank you very much. All right, this is Jesus. We're continuing our coverage of Great Taste of the Midwest 2019, and we're here with Joey and Sean at Goose Island. Well, we've been asking people about the name, obviously, Great Taste of the Midwest, but what makes it great for you guys? Uh, for me personally, definitely the people. The people here are just so down to earth, so friendly. It's not all about how many beers you can drink. It's about you know, getting together with your friends and just enjoying all this great beer. Yeah, Madison is awesome. I think that's what it is. This town's great. People are great. This park's awesome. The weather's great. Beers are great. Food's great. Cheese curds. Everything. <laughs> yeah. So that's why you call it great, I guess. <laughs> Uh, so why don't you tell us what you brought today? Tell us first what these people are waiting for, and then we'll touch on the other stuff. Everyone right now is waiting for Miller Eye, and they don't get tapped often, so it's understandable that people kind of uh, it's pretty crazy, but uh, people are very passionate about this beer, and it's awesome. And what else was brought today, if you want to? Yeah, we had uh, 18 vanilla, uh, we had bramble, midnight orange, Barley wine, coffee, barley wine, 17 coffee, all the big hitters, all the big bourbon kind of stuff. So let's talk about that vanilla rye for a second. So I assume that you guys aren't cracking a bunch of bottles that you've had sitting around. You guys still have it in the kegs. What what sort of planning goes into these time tappings at these festivals? I mean, we're talking about some from 2014. We're talking about five years ago you guys brewed this, and you still have some around. What goes into that kind of planning? We, we try to plan out like at least five years in planning, having enough beer. We know how much we go through at each festival. And obviously, we kind of account for new events and whatnot, but we try to plan for five years ahead so we have this. There's probably a small handful, 14 left. That's cool. We're kind of going through the last of it now, and at this point, 14 is kind of getting a little old, and we should probably start doing that stuff. So <laughs> we're just going big. So when we uh, when we sat down with Quinn and Reed and the guys and, and talked about the planning that goes into the uh, the Bourbon County series and the the sort of internal contests that you guys have and what what kind of fun you guys do, can you tell us anything about the the contest for this next year and uh, kind of I don't know what's what's rising to the top? It's top secret, Harry. Oh, you should see this Shut guy's right the down. microphone like. Well, we'll wait. Uh, we'll wait to see with everyone else. Well, yeah. Thank you guys for uh, spending a little time with us. Uh, thanks for telling us what you guys got on tap. It's been it's been a hell of a lineup. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. 
So continuing coverage of our uh, 2019 Great Taste of the Midwest, here with two special guests. We've got Fred Swanson and Levi Funk from Funk Factory. Guys, we've been asking everybody today, everybody knows that the Great Taste of the Midwest is great, but what makes it great for you guys? I think it's the people that are here, man. Like, look around, look at the brewers that are here, look at the look at who puts on this event, too. Like, you, I, I go to a lot of festivals. Right? This is festival season. I go to a lot of them this time of the year. And this is the only one that's run by a homebrew club, a nonprofit, right? Like, I think it's uh, a spawn of that is you have the excitement of the breweries who are here that, like, we want to be here because it's a picturesque location. There's a lot of great breweries here. But it's also, like, if we're going to do a festival, I would love it to be one that benefits a homebrew club, right? That's the next generation. Absolutely. That's my take on it. Absolutely. What I love about it is that it's a, uh, it is a party for people that are industry folks who are outside of the industry in many cases. What I love is the fact that we treat these people like family. We actually invite them into a, build, uh, a park that we consider to be our home and a place that we consider to be our living room. What I love is the fact that we treat folks, we treat these brewers differently than they get treated in almost every other place that they go to pour their wares. We treat them like artists and we treat them with the respect that they deserve. What is bottom line for us is if you take care of the brewers, the rest will follow. If you take care of the vendors, the rest will follow. We never discount the fact that people bought tickets, but if you take care of those two things first, you're going to be just fine. And that has been reflected in the interviews that we've done today. A lot of the answers when we ask what's great about this place, it's the people. It's the people that are putting it on. It's the people that are putting it together and, and doing the, the legwork, you know. We talked with a lot of rookies this year. We kind of made it a point to really, you know, we followed Jason's advice and really talked with a lot of rookies and asked them what is, like, what's cool about this? And they said the same thing. They've been to a lot of festivals. Never have they been treated like this. So, Levi, what, uh, what were you bringing? What, uh, what were you pouring today? And uh, what was the reception? Uh, this is your first time out. Yeah, this is uh, our first time as uh, Funk Factory at the at the party. Uh, well, last year we did an educational tent, um, but this is our first time in a booth and pouring beer. And uh, we brought <laughs> beer. There's one beer that we had a keg problem with this morning, so we did an audible and changed it to okay. a different beer. Um, but we uh, brought out uh, boysenberry Mertz and um, the Levrier and then uh, Servino Riesling. Uh, so those are the three we brought, and then every hour we had magnums that we oh, nice. opened up and poured as well. We are trying to do something intentional that we hadn't done in the past. And it came out of a conversation that we've had. It was, how do you continue to stay relevant? How do you continue to stay in, in the game? How do you continue to stay where, how do you continue to be what people want to do? And part of that is, the ordinal system didn't work. It didn't work. What didn't work was, people were going out of, uh, people were going out of business. There was no attrition. So people would be stagnant on a waiting list. They couldn't get in. How do we adjust that and have a conversation? And part of it came out of the conversation that we've already had. We've already had. It is this. And it was really instructive. Our goal this year, every year, is to have 50% new groups. And it is new by a lot of them. It's not 
must pick him because I did ever want anything I do to be a taste of what Ryder the homebrewers in Madison want because it doesn't mean shit. What means something is the, the recognition that people understand that there's a no outlaws that people will be able to get is in some way. What I love about the fact is we had a bunch of breweries this year back out so that other people could get it. People had been for seven, eight, nine, twelve years who said, no, 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 my day is, I'm, I'll come, I'll watch, I'll come back next year, let me let somebody else in. So one of the things that we're trying to do is get 20 to 30 new breweries every single to do on that cutting edge. It's not an average. I'm not sure I'm the guy that should define it, given my hair color. But the thing is, is that we're trying to be a group that is open and receptive and listening to all the conversations. And if we're close to those conversations, we always do things the way we always do things. That's insignificant. We always want to be a bit, you know, we want to be able to bob and weave. We want to be able to be a little bit nimble, a little bit on feet. We want to be able to turn that boat to harbor. We want to do a lot of things that kind of react to where we are today. Because I'm not sure that where we are today in 2019 is where we're going to be in 2024. I just know that 2019 this feels really good. Right? I want to just add that. We're on a podcast, so Fred's hair is very awesome. Oh, it's, it's immaculate. <laughs> <laughs> we got pictures. <laughs> but uh, I would also say uh, I go to a lot of festivals that are invitational, and that's fun. You know, like you have all these very exciting breweries and hyped up breweries, and I, you know, almost contrary to the message that I had for Fred when we sat down, Right. Uh, is that one thing that's special about this festival is the they don't really care about that side of it, you know, they to some extent, right? Like it's like this is family more than it is let's create a hypest festival of right? You don't have to take yourself seriously with family. Yeah. No, yeah. no. family's family. Yeah. Can I point out that while we're having a podcast, there's a guy actually creating a slip and slide with ice? And I'm not quite sure what that's about because I see some cans of Natterdays made in. That might be coming out of there. Natterdays are bad influence. I will say that it is the off color crew. It makes sense. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. that, he needs to put a shirt on. Uh, yeah. I would need to put my shirt on. He didn't huh? pants on. Speaking oh, of off color, just a fun question. Um, we, we talked about hidden gems a lot in this festival. You guys have had some time to walk around. Now, what were a couple of your hidden gems? Because for me, it was Fox in the Woods from Off Color, Wild Fermentation Cherry. Uh, no, the big huh? thing is that it, to me, it's, it's you about right that. And it's more about how do people feel when they're here? Do they feel welcome? Do they feel like this is family? Do they feel like they're sitting at our table at Christmas dinner and they might not be related? That's where our, that's kind of the, the kind of the line we draw. Do you feel comfortable being in the house? Are you accepted? Is because like we I said, it's not about I don't want to be the arbiter of what's good here. You're, you're already well. Okay? I just want this to be a place where people feel accepted, they feel comfortable, and they feel that what they did is valuable. I can't put it any better. Anything to add, Levi? All right. Thank you guys so much for taking a moment. This is uh, 2019. It's better than all the rest, and I think I'm going to say that every year from here on out. How did Jesus do today? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about Jesus. I'm still here. I'm very, I'm very quiet, but it's been a blast. Um, yeah, I got to do this again. It's been amazing. Got some vernacular.
category would you say that this event is not bad? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't suck. It does not suck. No, thank you. Wow, you were right, Alex. A bunch of uh, heavy hitters there. It was really cool to hear from them. Any final thoughts, I guess, as we finish this up? Awesome uh, year at the Great Taste. I, I just got to say, for posterity and for everybody listening, that the basis of the Great Taste, what really makes the Great Taste great, it's the question that we asked everybody, right? Yep. What makes the Great Taste great to you? For us, and I think for a lot of the brewers, it is the volunteers. It is the the army of volunteers that make everything easy. They make it easy for the brewers when you show up. They, they're grabbing your beer as quickly as they can off, off of your truck, and they're putting it on ice, and they're bringing it to you before you need to start, start uh, serving. For the patrons, I mean, they just make everything easy so easy from the entrance from the moment you enter from the moment to the moment you leave in a one dollar cab <laughs> you know they literally think of everything the hydration is second to none i mean fred hit it hard in the uh, in the preview episode food grade hosing you know uh they change the filter three times when they only have to change it once you know it's just they think of everything and it makes everything so easy and i don't know for me as many beers, as many great beers as we try, it is all about the volunteers for me. It's amazing. It's a homebrew club that kind of organizes everything. It's crazy. It is absolutely amazing. I've been to the Great American Beer Festival, which is larger on a grander scale. But as many breweries are there, as many more beers are there, Great Taste is a much better beer festival. It is amazing beer experience. It has to be on everyone's bucket list. I have to concur. I mean, it's the volunteers. These people love what they do. Uh, It's a genuine love of home brewing that turns into starting your own brewery that that originated this festival. Hashtag love fest. Yeah, hashtag love fest. (laughs) I mean, it's just amazing. From the entrance with people dancing before it opens, the horns, to high-fiving volunteers on the way out it these people love putting on this show for everybody and it 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 just shows and if you're lucky enough uh if you live out of state and you are lucky enough to come to this festival count yourself fortunate and hopefully we'll see you again next year if you live in town in madison i know this is old hat to you but it's got to feel special every time i I just got to think that's the way it goes and if you live in the state of wisconsin you're also lucky that this is within driving distance for you it's I don't know. It's just the best. <laughs> it's yeah. the best one. We that love all the fest. You know, we, we've had a, a, a long series of uh, festival interviews that we've done this year, and this one is by far the best. And that's going to do it for us. We are definitely out of beer. <laughs> we've run out of beer from the fest. We've run out of beer for the tasting. And that's going to do it for us, uh, for me, for Alex. I'm Jim. Andy here. Seuss. This has been another Solid Non-Fed Production. No.